Chapter 4 Devoted to a Good Cause Things had settled down a bit for Jason. A few more people had tried to talk him into getting things they wanted from the PM, but that stopped as soon as news of Jason's decision got around. Some people still hassled. Him over concerns about their jobs or income, so he still had to be on his guard. The phone rang as Jason happened to be walking past it. It was Mr. Aldershot. Mr. Saunders, the government has been discussing how to give you what you asked for. There's some concern that it could be wrong of the PM to do what you said. Since you've decided to make political decisions, the PM thought it would be appropriate to show you how the system is supposed to work so you can understand. I don't know. Last time, the PM tried to trick me. I think I'd rather not. Oh, that's a nuisance. <clears throat> Since I've already organized the helicopter for this Saturday. Helicopter? It seemed like the quickest way to get you to Canberra and back. You wouldn't have needed to stay overnight, so your parents wouldn't have had to come with you. I could fly to Canberra and back in a helicopter. I can cancel it if you wish. Don't do that. Let me just ask my parents. Jason rushed outside to where his parents were working in the garden. Hey mom, can I fly to Canberra in a helicopter? What? Mr. Lindsay asked me too, just me, to see how Parliament House works or something. I don't know, said Jason's father. Who was finally taking some time off work? He is bound to be up to one of his tricks again. Someone should at least go with you. Graham's not that bad, said Jason's mother. Jason's father raised his eyebrows. Graham, you're on first name terms with the PM now. Well, I did have morning tea with him, and being shown how Parliament works by the Prime Minister is a pretty unique opportunity. Jason's father nodded begrudgingly. I guess so. Woohoo! Helicopter flights. Whoops, Jason. At least he didn't have long to wait. After lunch on Saturday, 
Jason and his parents waited near the school oval. Fortunately, nobody else had found out about the trip. The only other people present were a few men making sure that nobody got onto the over. Then, there it was. The dot grew rapidly larger until the angry beast was hovering only a few dozen meters away. It was so noisy that everyone blocked their ears and the dust and debris it whipped up made them squint. After the helicopter settled down, Jason was escorted aboard like a VIP in a movie. He waved to his parents as the machine powered back into the air. Jason had assumed it would be quiet inside, like an airliner, but it wasn't. You could hardly talk, but that didn't matter much, because neither Mr. Lindsay nor Mr. Aldershot was on board. The two men with him didn't say much. So Jason spent the trip staring out the windows, fields of various shades of yellow passed by, occasionally separated by bushland where the hills were too steep for farming. One of the men pointed ahead, Canberra, he said loudly. The city buildings grew gradually larger. Parliament House was easy to spot because of its weird flagpole. Jason hoped they'd fly over the city and maybe even land at Parliament's house, but instead they veered away from the city and landed at the airport. Mr. Aldershot was waiting for him, enjoyed the flight. Oh yes, it was great. I hope it makes up for having to meet the Prime Minister again. Jason didn't know quite how to respond. Was Mr. Aldershot trying to be funny? Or didn't he like the PM? Or was he just being rude? I just don't think Mr. Lindsay should have tried to trick me last time. He said I could have whatever I want, not whatever he wants me to want, he should keep his word. He hasn't said no to anything. He's kept his word, and then some, some. I think you've been a bit lucky. After the 
excitement of the trip, Mr. Aldershot was a real downer. They sat in silence as they were driven, driven from the airport. Parliament House didn't seem all that great from the outside. It looked like a building that was trying to be a hill, since it was built into the side of one. It almost seemed ashamed of itself, <clears throat> and so it should be, given the way. The prime minister has behaved," thought Jason. But things were different on the inside. It looked much more suspicious than had seemed possible from the outside. And the large stone and wood structures were pretty impressive. After passing through a security check, Jason followed Mr. Aldershot along several long corridors. Mr. Aldershot walked so fast that it was hard to keep up with him. They entered a dimly lit room, a bit smaller than a classroom. At the front were at least six large TV screens. Electrical cables ran everywhere. Sound could be heard from at least two different TV stations. Mr. Aldershot's phone rang. He motioned for Jason to sit down in one of the lounge chairs at the front of the room, then went out into the corridor to answer the call. Jason looked over his shoulder. There were about a dozen lounge chairs in the room, all facing the front, but only a couple of people were sitting in them. A third man was sitting at a computer keyboard at the front of the room. Mr. Aldershot swept back in. That was the PM. He should have been here by now. But he's running a bit late. He's just on his way. That's okay. I'm glad you think so. He's late for everything. I arranged his schedule perfectly, but at the end of the day, if he won't stick to it, there's nothing I can do. Jason tried to make sense of the information on the screens in front of him. Some of them seemed to be showing TV coverage of the election that had been held that day. But since the sound was garbled, it was hard to be sure. Other screens were displaying information from a computer. Computer, none of it 
seemed particularly interesting. Jason, welcome to Canberra. Did you enjoy the flight? Jason stood up and shook the PM's outstretched hand. Yes, it was great. Australia sure looks dry inland. Didn't you see Lake George? It's massive. No, I didn't see any lakes before we got to Canberra. Not very observant, are you? The PM PM turned to Mr. Aldershot. Robert, could you get me my usual and a thick shake for Jason from the cafeteria? Chocolate, added Jason. Mr. Aldershot gave him a frosty look, then departed. Jason and Mr. Lindsay sat down. The PM exclaimed that the room they were in was linked up by a computer to the Tully room in Sydney, where they were continuing the votes for the election that day. Let me tell you what's happening. Most adults get to vote, which means saying who they want to represent them in the government. The people in each region get to speak on representative, representative from among the candidates who want to want the job. Yeah, we covered that in school. The PM pointed to one of the data screens. This screen is showing us how many votes each candidate has got. In one particular region, you can see the numbers change as more and more votes get counted. They are voting for people, not emission control targets, of course. Yes, but the voters know which candidates won the targets and which ones don't. For example, they know that people from my party don't support strict targets. Oh, I guess that makes sense, said Jason. Can we see the results for Sapphire Bay? The man at the computer parked at the keyboard. And the data on one of the screens changed. Your parents' vote, voted, vo votes will be included in those numbers, said the PM. See. How every person's opinion is taken into account, Jason nodded. The candidate from your party isn't doing very well, is he? The PM shifted his posture. Not at the moment. Maybe that's because he doesn't support emission control targets. No, it's probably because of some local issue. It could even be 
because the because the other guys guy is the local foodie hero or something. So the one who wins could win because of something else, even though most people might actually want emission controls. Well, in theory, oh good, coffee. I need this. It's been a long day. Mr. Aldershot handed over the drinks. Unfortunately, he had forgotten to get Jason a straw and had to go back and get one. The PM showed Jason a few more things while they finished their drinks, but there wasn't much more to it. Okay, now that you've been, you've seen how people elect representative, representatives, I want to show you what those representatives do. They got up and walked along some more corridors and down a wide flight of stairs. The PM pushed open a large wooden door and ushered Jason through. It was a large hall, even bigger than the school's assembly hall. Over 100 seats were fixed in a giant arc on the floor, with more seats looking down from above like an indoor basketball stadium. But unlike a basketball stadium, Everything was immaculate. Immaculate. This is the House of Representatives, said the PM, with a faint show of pride. It's very green. Jason quietly, it seemed irreverent to talk much above a whisper. This shale was chosen to be representative of the Australian landscape. Maybe you should paint it yellow then. The PM didn't respond. Oh, sorry, said Jason. I wasn't trying to be rude about the emission targets. It's just that Australia already looks yellow to me. Like out the helicopter window. Let me explain what happens in this room. The candidates who win in today's election will become members in the state government. But the ones who win in federal elections get to be members in here. This is where we decide on really big issues that affect all of Australia. Like emission control targets, like emission control targets. Let's take that as an example. If we sign up to the Rotterdam targets, there is need to be new laws to reduce pollution and full use 
and things like that. Jason nodded virously. Yes, exactly. Good. That's what I want. All the members in here get to vote on new proposals, like those. If most members are in favor, the man who runs this place says, "I think the A's have it, and the proposal becomes a law. Then everyone in Australia has to come." Play with it, but if most members don't like it, it's just thrown out and nothing changes. The eyes have it. Why would he say that? A means yes. Oh, that makes sense then. The PM walked down an aisle. Between the rows of seats to a huge table in the central of the room, then rolled back a large business chair from the table. This is where I sit. Want to try it for size? Jason lowered. Himself into the soft green leather. Woohoo! Power. Let there be emission control targets, he said. With a regal wave of his arm across the rows of empty seats facing him. Actually, that's the point," said the PM, sitting down beside him. In here, I only get one vote, just like everybody else. Then how could you possibly sign up to the Rotterdam target? Most of the others here will still vote against the new laws you need. The PM grimaced slightly. Will the members? Usually, vote the way their political party wants them to. If I told them, if I told the members in my party to support laws for the Rotterdam targets, they would. Oh, so you could say, let there be emission control target. But should I? If I force the members in my party to do what you want, then they wouldn't be doing what they said they'd do when people voted for them. They'd be breaking their word, and so would I. Jason screwed up his nose. Oh yeah, people shouldn't break their word. So how do you work out which way your members should vote? Do you have a climate change expert? The minister for the environment sits there," said Mr. Lindsay, pointing to the to a nearby seat. 
but don't forget that he doesn't have to be an expert. He got elected, just like you saw in the Tully room. But if you don't have any experts, how do you know you're getting it right? It's not so much about getting it right, as about getting it the way most people want it. So if most people want it wrong, that's what you do. If most people want to stuff up the future, that's what you do. What if most people wanted to declare war on Tasmania or something? Mr. Lindsay slumped back in his chair. Who's to say what's right? He said really. People who know, experts, like that professor on TV, who wears a shirt, Van something. Van Dina, Dine, Dine. Actually, he's doing some research for us. Really? Yes, we've asked him to study the long-term experience. effects of climate change if we hadn't done that you'd probably never have heard of him so you do have to think about the future if you did something now that trashed the environment in 50 years time would you be punished somehow no But if we trash the Australian economy, we'll be punished in the election this year. That's pretty sad. Absolutely. We have to win the next election so we can complete the good work we've started. No, I mean, it's sad that you're rewarded for doing good in the short term, even if that makes it worse in the future, my future. Mr. Lindsay slumped back in his seat again. If that's what the Australian people want, isn't that what we should do? I guess so, conceded Jason. For me to force everyone to do what I want, and to ignore what they want seems sort of selfish. The PM struck his chin. Hmm, good point. I suppose it does in a way. Makes me wonder if I'm doing the right thing. Yes, I can see where you're coming from. I suppose you could change your mind if you're concerned about being selfish. It's not too late. Not quite. If you tell me now, I can still do what people expect me to do. And don't forget my previous offer, the car. That's still on the table. Strong table, thought Jason.
even though Mr. Lindsay seemed keen for him to make a decision on the spot about whether to change his mind. Jason figured he should at least sleep on it, so he just thanked Mr. Lindsay for showing him around and promised to let him know what he decided very soon. It was pretty late by the time the helicopter took off. Jason craned his neck around to watch the lights of Canberra disappear into the distance. Unfortunately, it was too dark to see details of the country scenery. Every so often, a white dot on the ground would mark out a farmhouse or a group of dots would signify a town. Strings of dots could be seen driving along some of the roads, and every dot indicated at least one voter, one person with an opinion on global warming, one person that Jason was telling the PM to ignore. And there really were quite a few of those little white dots, even out at in the bush.